Hey, thanks for tuning in to the First Monroe podcast. For more information on our church, visit firstmonroe.com. We hope you enjoy. If you were, and some of you may have done this before, but if you were about to build a house or a building or a structure, what is the most important step to do very at the very beginning? Build a what? Foundation, right. So that, that is the most important step in whether you're building a house, a structure, a building, whatever it is. The most important step is to make sure that you have a good foundation. Uh, quote says this, this is from a major contracting company, and here's what they said about foundations. They said, the strength of a building lies in the foundation. The main purpose of a foundation is to hold the structure above it and to keep it upright. On the contrary, a poorly constructed foundation can be dangerous to all the occupants. This is one of the things that, that's agreed uh, everywhere, that, that if you're going to have a safe building, a home, a church, whatever it is, you need to make sure that you have a very, very good foundation. Foundation is so important. If you mess that up, it's going to wreak havoc everywhere else. Well, it's not only just physically that we see this truth, but we also see the same thing spiritually. That spiritually in our life, one of the things that's, that we need is we need a very, very good foundation. We need a strong foundation. So because of that, we're going to begin a new series this, uh, this week uh, entitled Foundations. And as we're looking at the gospel in the book of Genesis. Now you may say, why are we looking in Genesis? Not only is Genesis a very interesting book, but there are so many foundational things that we learn about faith in the book, really in the opening chapters of Genesis that we learn that are foundational to the truths of our faith. Foundations of who God is, who we are as the human race, what sin is, what evil is, what redemption is, what worship is, what grace is, what judgment is. Like, Think how many foundational things that we have in our faith are laid out for us in the very beginning chapters of Genesis. And so because of that, we're going to begin a series looking at and, and discovering the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ in this book of Genesis. So I'm super excited about it. I want to make mention of this. If you are a believer in this room, that this book I, I'm, I'm hoping for you is to encourage your faith, to strengthen your faith, to, to see and be reminded of these essential truths in Scripture. If you are this morning or know this, that people listen to our podcast, if you're listening on podcast, you're not here on Sunday, but if you're listening to our podcast, is that if you are checking out the faith for the first time, or if you may be skeptical about God, does God even exist? This is a super, super important study that I believe that will benefit you. And so if you are this morning just checking out church, just interested in it or not sure about it, this is a super foundational book to understand and to learn about faith. Now, I would say this to you guys if you are believers. This is an awesome series to invite people to. Um, as we, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through coming actually on Sunday morning, that if you have friends or people that are interested in like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I even believe there is a God. I don't even know if I believe certain things. Like, why is human race so messed up? Why is there so much evil in this world? Hopefully, we will answer a lot of those questions that people have in the book of Genesis. So, I think it'll be super important. All right? Let me make mention of this, and then I'll give you the main idea. One of the things that we offer at our church that um, you may have access to, if you don't know about it, come see me after, and I'll give you access to it. But we have something called Right Now Media um, that's a super awesome resource to our church. It's like the way they describe it is like Netflix for Bible studies. I mean, there is just an infinite amount of information that people have ac- access to at their fingertips on Right Now Media. One of the things that we're going to do this week is create a channel on Right Now Media. We have a First Monroe tab on Right Now Media. Is there's tons of resources on the Book of Genesis um, that you may have questions. I said this to somebody. I think it was to Brandy earlier. 
there's no way that we're going to be able to cover literally every question you have. If we did, we would probably be in this series like a couple years, okay? So there's literally no way to answer every single question you have. But there's tons of amazing resources that dig into just super in-depth questions that you may have about Genesis. So if you have access to right media or if you're like, I have no clue what that is, come find me after. I'll give you access to it so that you can have access. And hopefully that will be a good resource for you as we walk through the book of Genesis. All right? Main idea. If you have notes, here it is. The opening chapter of the Bible reveals the foundation of who God is. The opening chapter of the Bible reveals the foundation of who God is. When you begin Genesis chapter 1, really Genesis, the very first verses, we learn some very key fundamental principles about who God is. That at the very start, actually there are multiple authors and scholars that say the first two verses of the Bible are some of the most important verses to describe to us and help us understand who God is. So this is monumental. So what we'll do this morning is I want us to look at several key characteristics or key principles that we can learn about God. I'll make you aware of this. My goal was there's three things that we see, three uh, characteristics about who God is. The problem is I called Shane on Friday. As I was working on my sermon, I got to number one, and it was lengthy. And I said, you know, for the sake of time, we're just going to cover one today. So there's, there's three things that we'll see about who God is. We're just going to cover one today. We could cover three. I told Shane we could do three. Um, but we may have to pack a lunch and be here for a while. And so just so that you don't have to do that, we're just going to look at one today. All right? So we're going to look at one truth. And then in that, we're going to unpack some uh, practical applications for that. So you should have your Bible turned to Genesis chapter 1. We're just going to read verses 1 through 2. It says this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Opening verses, opening chapter reveals to us who God is. So the one that we will look at this morning is number one is this. God is the creator of all things. This is revealed to us very quickly in the book of Genesis that we find out who the originator, who the designer, who the creator is of the heavens and the earth, and that is God. Now, several things I want you to notice in the beginning. It tells us in the beginning God, so it tells us up front some interesting and some things that we need to know about God. One is that the Bible is primarily about God. That the Bible is primarily not about you and me, but the Bible is primarily about God. Now, I think this is important. Will you find you in the Bible? Will we find about humanity in the Bible? Absolutely. But first and foremost, when we come to Scripture, we must understand that it's first and foremost about God, not about you. Now, I think this is sometimes that we have an issue with and a rub with, and we'll see that later in, in the sermon. But sometimes there's this rub with us that we want to make everything about us, but we see very clearly everything is not about us. Everything is about Him. It starts with Him, it ends with Him, it is in Him. Like everything in this Bible that we read and understand is first and foremost about God. Another thing I want you just to notice at the very beginning is notice this. The existence of God is not a concern. Like I would say for a lot of us, like there's a lot of, even this morning, you, you may not, and I, I don't want to assume anything, there may be people here this morning that you may not believe that God exists. But notice this, that is not a concern of the Bible. Do you notice that the Bible never proves the existence of God? It just assumes it is. Like in the beginning, it never even says like, I want to prove to you God exists. It just says God was. God is. God is the originator of all things. Like 
Psalms 19.1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim its handiwork. Like at the very beginning, it has this humongous assumption that you and I should understand is that we don't have to prove the existence of God. God already exists. Here's what's crazy. Whether you believe he exists or not doesn't matter. He exists. And so I think that's for, for some of us sometimes like, well, maybe if I don't believe he exists, he won't. It doesn't matter if you say he doesn't exist. I, I hope you don't adopt that. But understand this. He still exists anyway. That's exactly what the Bible states. There are so many theories and, and questions about the existence of God to prove the existence of God. But the Bible just starts with God does exist. In the beginning was God. Another thing I want you to notice in the very beginning of the chapter is that the author, most likely Moses, is not concerned with answering every single question you have, but is interested in helping you and I know God. You know this about me. Um, I love questions. I love to ask questions. And when I, usually when I come to Scripture, there's a lot of questions I have, like, what, was, what existed before God? Like, or not before God, because the Bible says God has always existed. But like before the heavens and earth created, what was that like? Have you ever wondered that? Like, because like everything that you and I know in our, our, our minds is something that's been created, whether it's time, whether it's space, like anything that, we, anything that we have knowledge of, like that was created. So what was it like before? To, to think about this, like there was never a time when God did not exist. What was that like? Well, the Bible doesn't get into that. And the reason why is because the Bible's not concerned with you knowing that answer. The Bible's concerned with you knowing God. Like This is one of the things I think about in my own life, and it comforts me, is that to have faith and to be faithful and to walk faith with God, I don't have to know the answer to every single question. Because there's a lot of questions, right? I mean, I want to be honest, and as we go through Genesis, there's going to be a lot of questions that we're going to ask. There's a lot of hard questions. There are a lot of difficult questions that I have, even when I come to the text of Genesis. But one of the things I'm thankful for is that the goal of Scripture and the goal as the author writes this on the inspiration of the Spirit, of the Spirit, is for you and I to know God. Like, I don't have to know the answer to every single question to walk with God or to know God. Like, I'm thankful for that. Like, it's similar to marriage of me and Kirsten. Like, I didn't know every single fact about marriage when I got married. I've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. Kirsten has taught me a lot about marriage. Right, Kerr? (laughs) But, think about this. Like, but I didn't have to know every answer to get married. All I knew is that I love Kirsten and I want to be in a relationship with her. And we figured out a lot of things as we've gotten married. It's the same thing when I come to God. Like, I don't have to know every single question in the universe to know God or to walk with Him. And so, look, we can have questions. We can come to God with questions, but understand this, that not every question we have may be answered. But that's okay because that's not the intent. The intent for us is to know God. Yes, does God answer a lot of questions for sure. But everything when we come to Scripture, he's not going to answer every single question. Look at the text. Look at verse 1. He says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is like kind of a mission statement or just to summarize the rest of chapter 1. So what he says at the very beginning, that everything originated and was created through God. Now, he tells us several things of how everything was created. One is that he spoke it into existence. There's this phrase, if you read through the rest of the chapter, when it, whether it's the light, whether it's water, whether it's vegetation, whether it's animals, it uses this phrase that he spoke it, and then there's this phrase that says, and so it was. Meaning that he spoke it into existence, and because he spoke it, it became that, whatever it was. 
There's something he also says after each time he creates something is that it is good. This is, I think, a foundational thing we understand about God is that he does good and he is good. That everything that comes from God, everything that God creates is something that is good. And we find this out that not only is he the creator, but he's the good creator. And what he does is, I'm going to just kind of summarize. We could read it all, but just for the sake of time, I just want to summarize the creation account. So literally what, what takes place is that in a literal seven days, God creates heaven and earth, everything that you and I know. They're, they're split up into, you, you may want to write this down or you may not. It's split up into two different sections in creation. Day one through three is about bringing formation to that which is formless. Okay? Day four through six is about bringing fullness to that which is empty. So day one through three is about bringing everything into the cosmos. Day four through six is about putting things on earth. So I'll break it down. Day one is the light and darkness is created. Day two, sea and the sky is created. Day three, earth and vegetation is created. Day four, the sun and the moon and the seasons are established. Day five, the creatures of sea and air are created. Day six, creatures of earth are created, and specifically humankind will actually devote a whole sermon to the creation of man. Day seven, he rested, and this gives us the account of everything that was ever created was created by God because he spoke it into existence. Have you ever, I don't know if y'all have ever watched this show. It's, I think it's uh, BBC created it, but it's called Planet Earth. Has anybody ever seen that, that documentary, Planet Earth? If you have Netflix, you can actually watch it on Netflix. They actually have one, I think, Planet Earth 2, and, I, and supposedly I saw online they're supposed to be making in 2020 or 2021, Planet Earth 3. If you haven't watched it, I would encourage you to watch it because it is crazy. Like, I mean, it, it's like, it was like a five-year-in-the-making documentary. I mean, it is just of all creation, of animals. And like one of the things that I, I as you watch, is just how complex and how vast and how beautiful and how wonderful this planet is. Like, if you watch this, any time that I've ever watched Planet Earth, I just stand in awe. I'm like, man, it is, to me, it points me to God. Like, every time I watch Planet Earth, it just results in me, I want to worship. Because I see all of these amazing things that are created. And to think, just, just in seven days, literally by speaking, God made it all happen. Isn't that crazy to think about? That, that like all of creation, everything you and I see, everything you and I like, all the gravity, all the principles of physics, like literally everything that you and I know about life and time was merely just spoken to existence and that everything that you and I know is a result of God creating it all. This is what the Bible declares at the very beginning. God is the creator and the originator of all things. One of the things that I find interesting is that in Scripture, of not just in Genesis 1, but really throughout Scripture, is the Bible continually brings up this truth that God is creator. Actually, some over 60 times in the Old and New Testament, the Bible continued to tell us that God is the creator. Now, as you know this, I like questions. And so why is that? Like, why does the Bible continually remind us, not just in Genesis, but throughout all of the Bible, that God is the creator? Like, why is this so fundamental to our faith? Like, why is this truth, as we start out this morning looking at the book of Genesis, like, why is it so important for us to get this, that God is the creator of all things? Why is this so foundational to our faith? Great question, everybody. And so I'm I'm glad you asked this question because I want to hopefully answer it this morning of why this truth about God is the creator of all things, why this truth is so pivotal to our faith. Okay? So here's what I want to offer you. Three implications three practical applications of how this truth should impact my life. 
If I believe that God is the creator of all things, this should change the way that I live my life. This should change everything about me. And so I want to give you several implications to this truth. Okay? Number one, since God is the creator, to worship anything other than him would be foolish. Since God is the creator of all things, to worship anything other than him would be foolish. Like, like just think about this. If God created all things, since he did create all things, to then worship something within creation would be foolish when you have the opportunity to worship the creator itself. Actually, all throughout the Old Testament, this is something that the Bible reminds the people often of why God is the creator. Because think about Israel. Israel was a nation that was pulled out to be set apart to God. And many times all the other nations around that would usually either come in to capture them or come against them or come to seek to destroy them, they worshiped other gods. And so there's this constant reminder in the text that God is the creator to remind them that all these other countries or nations that are worshiping birds or the sun or the moon or a person or an emperor or a pharaoh, how foolish that is when Israel has the awesome privilege to worship the God that created all of those things. And so it begins to point out, like, how foolish would it be to worship something in creation when you can worship the Creator? This is actually what Paul talks about in Romans. I want to read this to you because Roman, in Romans, Paul begins to really lay out for us why this is so foolish. Listen to this in Romans 1.19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Notice again, it doesn't have to prove the existence of God. It says this, like, it can clearly be seen. You just go outside, look at a beautiful sunrise, look at the mountains, look at the ocean, look at whether it's your spouse or a friend. Like, notice the beauty in creation, and it's clearly declaring to all of us God, and we can clearly perceive that there is a God through nature. Then he goes on to say this. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for the images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Therefore... God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creatures rather than the Creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. Paul says this, How foolish is it to exchange the worship of God for something that God created? How crazy is that? But as I was thinking about that, how often do you I do the same thing? Like, we don't have to go back to biblical times to see this. Like, like think about this. We've established this before. Like, what does it mean to worship? Well, I would say this. You could track what do you love, where you invest your time, your money, your energy, and your efforts into. That is the thing you love, and that is the thing you worship. How often is it in our life that the thing that usually gets the object of our worship is something that is created? Whether it's a person, a relationship, a job, money, status, power, Whatever it may be, like, like think how often we consume our life with things that are created instead of devoting our life to the thing that created it all, which is God. Here's what that would be like. There's this picture that I have of Kirsten. She sometimes gets embarrassed by it. Do you remember that picture on the banjo? Okay. 
I don't know if Kirsten can play the banjo or not, but she has, like, my favorite picture in the entire world of Kirsten is this picture of her playing a banjo. Like, it's, uh, she, she hates usually when I'm, it was your mom's banjo, okay. And she, she has this picture where she's playing this banjo, and, like, even to this day, she's beautiful right now. But, like, that's one of my favorite pictures of Kirsten of all time. Like, I love that picture. How crazy would it be if, like, the next time I go on a date night, that when I go to eat, let, let's say we'll go to uh, avocados. If I go to avocados and I go to eat, what if I took that picture and I set that picture across from me and the whole date night, all I spent was time with that beautiful picture of my wife? Probably you would say, I'm a little concerned. Like, that probably isn't a good thing. You know, that's kind of a weird thing to do, kind of a stalker, obsessive type thing to do. What if the next time you saw me, if I was at the movies and I was sitting and I had my popcorn and beside my chair I had this big picture of Kirsten? And, and I mean, it would be weird, right? I mean, it wouldn't be normal for you to go around and see me carrying around a picture. But that's what we do when we worship creation. It's you're taking, like, like I have access to Kirsten myself. I can actually meet and talk with her. I can actually be with her. Why would I settle for being with a picture of Kirsten when I could be with Kirsten? It's the same thing when it comes to worship. Why in the world would we worship anything in creation when you and I have the opportunity to worship the creator of all things? This is what he's trying to prove in referring to God as creator throughout all of Bible. This is the object of our worship. There is nothing that is more worthy of our worship than the creator himself. Why would any of us settle for anything in creation to, to put our, our affection and our love and our worship on when we are to put it on the thing that is only worthy of our worship, and that's the creator? So one of the things we see established very quickly, if since God is the creator, to worship anything other than him would be foolish. Like I was thinking about that this week of like, doesn't that just make, well, I don't want to assume anything, but like doesn't that just make sense? Like why would I worship anything else when I can worship the God who created it all? Like, how less would it be to worship anything in creation? And so we see that since God is the creator of all things, to worship anything other than Him would be foolish. Second, since God is the creator, God has the right to tell me what is wrong and what is right. Since God is the creator, He has the right to tell me what is right and what is wrong. Since God is the creator of all things, that means He is sovereign and ruler of all things. Since everything originated from Him and He established everything, that means He is sovereign and He is the ruler and He is the ultimate authority. Joy, right? Doesn't that truth just make you just feel excited? That you are not the ultimate authority. That you do not have the right to say what is right and what is wrong. Only God does because God is the creator of all things. I would say this for all of us. This is hard for us because think about this. Everything in our culture tells us the exact opposite. Like one of the things that our culture glorifies right now is autonomy, meaning this, the right to self-govern. Like think about our nation and our culture that you and I live in, and this is something that is glorified that every person has the right to determine what is right and what is wrong, what, what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. I mean, this is something that, that, is, that, is, I mean, that is being adopted all over the place. That, that wherever you stand, you can't tell me what is right and what is wrong. That I believe my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. You know how dangerous it is when truth becomes a moving target versus a fixed point? That when things become so relative, and that's, the, that's really where we live in in our culture. And so, for, and I would say this, whether, even if you're like, well, 
I don't describe all that. I think every one of us in this room likes to be autonomous, meaning this, that I like to be in charge of my own life. No one likes the idea that you are not in charge, especially of your own life. No one likes that truth. That truth rubs us, and it rubs us because of sin, and we'll get to that in chapter 3. But, but that begins to hurt us, and it begins to hurt us. Paul Tripp, in his devotion, uh, New Morning Mercies, begins to, in one of the days, get into the idea of God as our creator and how that should translate into him being the authority of our life. I want you to listen to what he said. I'm going to read it because he said it better than I ever could. Listen to what he says. He says, because he is the creator of all things, all things belong to him. God created you. That means that you belong to him. You and I were carefully designed for his purposes. We did not make ourselves. We did not rise from the primordial ooze and the result of impersonal forces. We are the direct product of God's creative power and will. And then he goes on to say this. Here's the implication that has on our life. This means that you and I will never be at the center of life because God is. It will never be about us because it's always about Him. It will never be about our will or our way because it is about His. We will never be the ultimate authority in our life because He is. To deny this is to deny reality and give yourself to the most dangerous of all delusions. To deny this is like denying the existence of the sun. If you did that, people around you would think you were crazy. However, sin makes us that crazy. We deny the evidence that is all around us of God's existence and God's authority. To tell ourselves that we are our own authority and that we need the right, we write our own moral rules, we tell ourselves of what we want and what's best for us. We willingly step over God's wise and protective boundaries. We run after what God says is wrong and chafe against what he declares is right. We deny him as king and set ourselves as the king of our own little world. We forget his glory and live for our own glory of our own pleasure, power, comfort, and ease. I think this is a rub for all of us. And he says this is one of the problems that we have, is that since God is the creator of all things, that means he is the ultimate authority. He has the right to tell me what is right and what is wrong. He has the right to define sin. I don't have that right. Why? Because I didn't create anything. Everything that you see did not come from me. I mean, to think about anything, anything that was, if, if we think about in, in our terms, if anything was created and that you had a problem with it, where would you go? You would go to the person who created it. That, be, why? Because they, they built it. They know how it is to work. It's the same thing with life, our world, and everything that we know. Because God created it, God has authority over it. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, I was telling Brandy earlier of, you know, I think one of the things is the struggles of, and why a lot of people begin to not want to believe in God or begin to have a lot of excuses of why they don't believe God as exists is because of this, this truth. Because if there is a God, that means that I'm not an authority, and that means I will be held accountable to the things of my life. And there are people that begin to say, well, I don't believe in God anymore, not because they don't believe in God, but because they, want, they don't want to be held accountable anymore. They want to, in a sense... Soothe their conscience because to know that there is a creator and to know there is a God means that I am not an authority. It is not about me. It is not about my glory and that I have to answer to someone for my life. There's a lot of people even now, and it could be even in this place that I, and I've run across with that have a problem with God mainly because of this truth because they're not an authority and God is. One of the things I am thankful about God and his authority 
is that while God is in authority, as we've already established, God is good. And so God is a God that I can trust. So I think the response for us is if God is the ultimate authority, then I need to humbly submit to the things that he says. Think how often we try to take our life in our own hands, thinking that we know what's best for our life. When very, very clearly God in his grace and his kindness spoke to us so that we might know him and know how we're to live with him and how we are to live life. To know what is right and what is wrong. To know what is sin and what, what brings life. And God has clearly given that to all of us to have access to because God is good. God wants us to do what's right. God wants us to walk after His ways. God wants us to see that He is. And, and, I, and our response to that is to humbly submit to God because He is the ultimate authority. Since God is the creator of all things, therefore, He has the right to say what is right and wrong. Number three. Since God is the creator of all things, that means that life can only be found in Him. Since God is the giver of life and the creator of life, that means that life only comes from one source and one source alone, and that is God Himself. To look for life any other place would be similar to worship. It would be foolish. I I would say this in our culture is similar to this, that people are constantly looking for life. People are looking for a good life, how to experience the fullness of life. The problem is, is that true life cannot come from a book. It can't come from a spouse. It can't come from a friend or a job or money or anything in creation. Life only is found in one place and one place alone, and that's our creator. That's why nothing in this world will ever give you life because it was not intended to. Like nothing in this life can give you the thing that you so desperately desire because nothing in creation was meant to give you life. The only place that life can be found is not in creation, but in the creator. Like this is where true life is found is only in the creator. This is actually what the New Testament speaks of Jesus when Jesus come, when Jesus came in John 1. And it tells us and gives us insight into the creation that I'll refer to this in the next sermon. It is this. He says this in John 1. In the beginning was the word talking about Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Very clear, it tells us how God created all things. He created it through the person of Jesus Christ. He says this, life is only found in one place, and it's the person of Jesus. You cannot find life anywhere else. If you look or searching for life, you will not find it in anything in this creation. There's a lot of beautiful and wonderful things and wonderful experiences that we can have in this life, but life cannot be found there. Life is only found in one person and one person alone. That's the person of Jesus Christ. That's why every week, hopefully, we lift up the name of Jesus and point people to the person of Jesus because life is only found in the person of Jesus. The thing that you and I desperately need more than anything else is to be made right with our Creator. We're not there yet, but we're going to get to Genesis 3 to see the sin and fall of everything. And the thing that you and I need more than anything is to be in relationship with our Creator. And the way we do that is through the person of Jesus. Life is only found in the Creator. If He is the giver of life, that means life can only be found in Him. Man, this is... Saying the, the truth this morning that God is the Creator of all things... Some of you, maybe this morning, that may be the first time you ever heard that, but I would probably submit it's probably not. That probably you have either read Genesis chapter 1 or you have heard that, that God is the creator of all things. But I think sometimes one of the things that we need to ponder on and think on is that has implications for our life. 
that if I really believe that God is the creator of all things, that causes me to act a certain way in relation to worship, in relation to who I listen to and who is the authority of my life over where I look to find life. If God is the creator, and as the Bible submits, He is the creator, it should cause you and I to do something. Man, this is a humongous truth that you and I must grab hold of, that God is the creator of all things. Let me pray for us. God, it's crazy to think about, and my finite mind cannot fully comprehend that, God, there has never been a time when you have not existed. That before time, before space, before the stars, before the universe, before humankind, before anything that we know here on this earth, that, God, you were. God, to think about that, that, th- those days that you began to speak forth. And God, all that we know, all that we hold dear to. God, to think of the beauty that we see. God, that in a moment, you spoke it into all existence. God, what a humongous truth and amazing truth that, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to dwell on, to think on. And God, even as we've already said, that God, this would cause us to do something. God, to think about that the creator of all things, that God, I can be in relationship with you. That God, you've invited me to know you. That God, you've invited me to worship you and glorify you. Even as we'll look at to reflect you. God, I pray this truth would not just be a truth we would hold in our heads. It wouldn't just be a truth that we would just know. God, but it would be a truth that would permeate every facet of our life. That since you are the creator, since you are the originator of all things, since everything that we know and we see and taste and touch and feel all originated from you, that God, that would cause us to worship you. God, it would cause us to devote our life to you. It would cause us, God, to seek you with everything that we are. God, I love you. And God, I love you that in your grace, God, you spoke. God, that you were a talking God, that you revealed to us who you are and how we're to be in relationship with you. God, I pray as we begin to walk through this book of Genesis, God, the the accounts of God, so many foundational things that, God, you would use us in our life. God, not just to know things, but, God, to stir our affections for you. God, to stir our worship and our service toward you, that, God, you would use these truths to impact our life. God, I love you. God, I pray you would move during our time of invitation and you would allow us as we dwell and think and ponder on these things that, God, you would use in our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. This time we're going to have a time invitation. And uh, I want us to think about these truths this morning. Like even as I was praying, I was just thinking about it. That, Like to know that God is creator is not just something I just need to know in my head. Like it's to be something that, that transforms my life. It's to be something that transforms my worship. It's to be something that, that transforms literally every facet of my being. Like, like to know God is not just, I, I, not just to just like check... I know that God is creator. Like this is to change our life. So there's a few questions. I want to ask you three questions this morning just to think about as we come to our time of invitation. I'll be down here. I'd love to pray with anybody. The steps are open right there after the service. I'll be around. We'll have people in the connection room. We'd love to talk to you. But I want you to, to ask yourselves these three questions as we think and as we respond. Number one is who are you worshiping? Is it Jesus or is it something within creation? 
Who is it this morning that you're worshiping? Who is this has the object of your worship, the object of your affection, the object of your love? Who are you worshiping this morning? Is it Jesus or is it something within creation? Question number two is who is the ultimate authority in your life? Jesus or you? And number three, where are you looking for life? Jesus or something else? Man, the essential truth that God is the creator of all things holds so many implications for our life. Who we worship, where do we seek for authority, where do we look for life is revealed to us in the Creator. So here's what I want to do this morning. So we, you can go ahead and stand. We're going to sing this morning. And as you stand, like I want you to think on these things. Think about these truths. And then respond to these questions. Respond whether it's to come to talk, whether it's to pray. Just begin to ask yourselves these questions as we sing.